Greetings fellow captains and welcome back to Rank Amateur. Today in Rank Amateur we have, as part of my Japanese battleships grind, we have the tier 5 non-premium Japanese battleship, the Congo. Yeah, so uh, it's a very, very famous ship, very long-running ship. It was part of the first battleships line in World of Warships all the way back when the game was launched in 2015. Actually, before the game was launched, it was still there. But um, as far as uh, the game actually being live, first battleships line. And uh, yeah, it's there's a lot of content about the Congo, but not much recent content about the Congo. So I figured I would uh, do a little podcast on it. But um, since... Uh, the last episode, there really, there hasn't been too much going on. A lot of preparations for the first things going on in the new year. So, um, there is a discount on 365 days of, or there was a discount on the 360 uh, days of World of Warships Premium. So, I hope you guys took advantage of that. Um, I, I did actually. I got a year subscription to World of Warships Premium for the first time ever, actually. I usually just go off, you know, sometimes I would... Uh, just get a week or two here or there and then just play a lot until it um, expired. But I actually decided to spend the money on the premium account because I'm starting to become a firm believer of you put your money where you spend your time. And I spent a lot of time in World of Warships, so I think it was worth spending the 50 bucks to support the um, company that makes the game that I like a lot. So I know some people disagree with that, but yeah, that's what I decided to do. Anyways, uh, we've also seen uh, the tier or tier nine 1v1 uh, brawls uh, come and go, and then now we also have seen the uh, tier 10 cruiser brawls 5v5. That was a lot of fun, actually. I uh, really enjoyed playing Napoli and Des Moines in that. And Goliath was pretty good, but uh, it just didn't have the DPN be good. Definitely tanky enough, though. Um, that was fun. I believe that is closed now. Um... Yeah, it looks looks like that should be closed. Um, yeah, and uh, so that was fun. Uh, we're also seeing uh, the Hampshire and Collingwood being released in the premium shop, I believe, for the first time, actually. Or, no. Uh, yeah, so Hampshire, Collingwood. Um, Hampshire's a good ship. Uh, I believe it shoots only uh, armor-piercing shells. The Collingwood is debatable. Um, it's basically a worse Nelson with a reload booster and a hydroacoustic surge consumable. So, it, yeah, it's good. I mean, it's got decent accuracy. It's just not got a lot of guns, so that's what it suffers from a little bit. But the Hampshire's very good. Uh, no heal, though, in the Hampshire, although you do have 10 main battery guns. I believe they only fire armor-piercing, like I said before. One of my friends has them, and he has a lot of success in the Hampshire. He loves this ship, and he doesn't really like British cruisers. So it might be fun for those of you who are just trying to get into British cruisers. Uh, we're also seeing uh, legendary commander supplies being added to the premium shop. And essentially it's just a bundles you can purchase for free XP, which, which is nice. Um, you don't have to spend any money on this. Uh, so yes, free XP. Uh, you can buy them for 12500 free XP. And... Um, 
yeah, so they're just they're they're random bundles, and you can get the Duke of York, the Lazo, or the Anchan off of them. And uh, I I have the Anchan, so I would be able to get the Duke of York or the Lazo. Which neither of them are particularly great ships. Actually, the Lazo is pretty good, I suppose. But um, yeah, I mean it's it's fine. I mean especially if you just roll like one or two and get manage to get one of these ships right off the bat for twelve thousand five hundred free XP. That's not bad. Uh, we also we also have the Sunlit Fair, which is uh, admittedly quite pricey. We'll say I'm not, not going to go so far as to say it's a scam, although it kind of is. Uh, it, basically, there's a chance you can get Kuznetsa and stuff like that out of these random bundles that you can purchase for uh, Sun tokens, which 25 of them cost 1,500 doubloons. Yeah, it's pretty expensive. Um, yeah, essentially just random uh, bundles and stuff you can buy for 30 uh, to 100 sunlit tokens. And um, as of this episode uh, recording, there is 13 hours left in the sale. You can yeah, you can technically get Kuznetsov, Super Containers, 75,000 coal, 200,000 free XP, or 600,000 commander XP, or actually 1.5 million commander XP as well, um, from the big ones, and then from the little ones, you can get like 22,500 coal, 5,000 research points, you know, a few different things, super containers, two super containers, actually. So, I mean, it, it the bonuses are pretty good, it's just that you're spending an awful lot of money. I mean, each one of these rolls for the Sunlit Fair uh, large ones does cost, um, uh, obviously, it, it costs four bundles, which which is a lot. Uh, I mean, you're doing 1,500 doubloons. So, I mean, you're spending 6,000 doubloons a roll. So, I mean, if you're just looking for, like, a decent reward and you don't really care what um, uh, what, what you're getting out of it, then, yeah, I guess I could, guess you could see uh, getting that. But if you're looking for a specific reward, I don't recommend doing that. I mean, like I said, the rewards are nice. It's really pricey. So, if you're just kind of looking to have something nice, then, then yeah, maybe I could see you getting that. But that's... uh. That that isn't for everybody. We'll just say, just be careful with what you're getting on that. Um, and of course, we still have Santa containers. Those will be kicking for a little while. Um, yeah, it looks like they're going to be going until around the 20th of January. Around, uh, maybe a little shorter, maybe a little longer. I, I forget what exact day they said uh, that the Santa gift containers were going to be available. But I mean, Santa gift containers this year, they're. I mean, as with every year, they're usually pretty stacked. Um, usually have a lot. Of rewards in them, so if you're just looking to get some new rewards and you just kind of want to, you know, spend like ten or twenty bucks on them, I, I don't see a problem with that. Just don't go in the attitude of you're looking for a specific ship or any ship at all, um, because on the uh, I actually did the math to get the thunder out of um, a super container for one of my friends, and uh, it was something like you'd have to spend like four thousand dollars to on average to get the thunder specifically. Uh, which is absolutely, obviously an absurd amount of money on the game, and this was uh, done using uh, statistics and things like that, and uh, geometric and geometric sequences and things like that, uh, just to figure out what you could get. But yeah, it's there's a very very small chance of actually getting the exact tier ten or rare ship that you want. So just look into it. As you may get some cool rewards, you may not get some cool rewards. Or I mean, you're always going to get cool rewards. It's just maybe not necessarily the ones you want. So as long as you have that attitude, I, honestly, I'm fine with containers. I mean, I don't mind them. Some people are really against them, but the drops are pretty good, so I don't really have a problem with that. Other than that, that's pretty much it for. For news, oh, actually, I forgot to mention there's a winter marathon uh, group of combat missions in which if you complete them, 
In addition to other rewards, you can actually uh, get the Dido and the Canarius, or, or the Canarius, I should say. You have a choice between the two. Neither of these ships, I'll admit, are particularly good, although both of them are historical and real. Um, so, the, I mean, and they are just tier 6 as well. So, I mean, it's not a bad deal. You know, and the, the combat missions are pretty easy. I, I suspect a lot of people would be able to do it within a day. Um, it's you'd have to do, win four battles, earn fourteen thousand free XP, earn or receive eleven million potential damage, earn three point eight million credits, get eight destroyed ribbons, uh, and deal nine thousand or ninety five thousand damage, or not ninety five thousand damage, nine uh, hundred fifty thousand damage. Jesus, man, I can't read. And then uh, earn seventeen thousand base XP. So yeah, I mean, the last two missions are a little bit harder, but a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are quite proficient in World of Warships, and I imagine that um, uh, they will be able to do this pretty pretty quickly. Um, and quick note, you will not receive doubloons as compensation if you buy these, or if you get these ships and you already have them in your port. So if you've already bought Dido, or already got Dido some other uh, with some other method, I'd recommend going with Canarius, assuming you don't have it, because you will only get 8.2 million credits as compensation for that. Uh, you will not get doubloons, so it's just something to be aware of. Unless you're looking for credits, of course, then then that would be a wise choice to choose in that. Um, yeah, so that's that's pretty much it for World of Warships news. So let's jump into the naval history of the IJN Congo. So for the specifications of Congo, this is going to vary greatly uh, over the course of the Congo service. Uh, obviously, this ship was built, or well, not obviously, but the ship was built in 1913 and was sunk in 1944. And in the land of naval warfare, that that's a long time for things to change. That's, that's 31 years. So, uh, yeah, obviously things are going to vary from... from uh, this uh, ship's service. I mean, even in just the look of uh, the Congo, it looks like a very basic kind of like British-esque uh, battleship or uh, battle cruiser, as it was built in Britain um, uh, it, when it was built. But and when it was finished, it looked far different. It was a modern warship, huge superstructure, different funnel layouts. The only thing that really stayed the same was the actual gun layout itself. Uh, that did remain consistent throughout the Congo service. So without further ado, let's get going. Uh, so she's named after Mount Congo in the Kawachi region of Osaka Prefecture in Japan. And uh, she was ordered in 1911. She was built in uh, Vicar at the Vickers Shipbuilding Company in uh, Barrow and Furness. Or Furness. Um, yeah, so which I believe... Uh, it existed until 2007, and this been succeeded by the uh, Bay Systems submarines, or BAA Systems submarines, however you want to pronounce it, uh, and Systems Land Armaments. So uh, she was laid down on uh, January 17th, 1911, launched on May 18th, 1912, and commissioned on the 16th of August, 1913. Uh, she had a displacement of uh, 36,600 long tons. Um, she was the lead ship of her Congo class of battle cruiser. She had a length of 222 meters or 728 feet 4 inches, a beam of 31 meters or 101 feet 8 inches, a draft of 9.7 meters or 31 feet 10 inches. Uh, she was propelled by steam turbines, which then powered four shafts. There's, it's not specified uh, what kind of steam turbines she used, as it wasn't really uh, consistent throughout her service. It changed. Uh, she had a maximum speed of an incredible 30 knots for her time. Uh, she was incredible. This this was incredibly fast for any ship to reach, let alone a 36,000-ton battlecruiser. 
Uh, she had a complement of 1,360. Uh, her armament in 1913 consisted of eight 356mm or 40-inch uh, guns, and she had 16 6-inch or 150mm 50 caliber uh, guns as her secondary armament, complemented by eight 76mm uh, guns, and she had uh, four 65mm machine guns, or 6.5mm machine guns, excuse me. Um, in 1944, however, uh, the only thing that really hadn't changed was her main guns, which consisted still of the eight 356mm uh, guns, which were in uh, 4x2 gun arrangements, so four turrets of two guns each. Uh, her amount of secondaries had been reduced from 16 to 8 uh, guns, or 8 large caliber secondary guns, and these were upgraded to 152mm guns. Uh, there was now 12 127mm guns, uh, 125 millimeter type 96 anti-aircraft guns also were equipped on the Congo. Uh, however, these guns were too small to be really effective at taking down American aircraft. Um, they it, obviously they did periodically work, but it was not as effective as our uh, Bofors and the uh, Orlikans used by the U.S. Navy at the time. Her armor consisted of a waterline belt that varied from 203mm to 279mm of armor. The deck had 38 to 58mm of armor. Uh, this, uh, by the way, that's 8 to 11 inches for the belt and 1.5 to 2.3 inches for the deck, uh, which is not the case in World of Warships. I think the maximum is 38 millimeters on the deck, if that. Uh, obviously, it's a Tier 5 battlecruiser. It's a little, uh, been a little bit dumbed down. Um... And then the gun turrets have 229 millimeters of armor or 9 inches of armor, and the barbettes are going to have 254 millimeters of armor or 10 inches of armor. Um, yeah, so uh, this ship was highly publicized in its construction, uh, mostly because it was a um, you know kind of kind of a matter of pride for the Japanese. This was a very sophisticated warship, and uh, it was going to be a warship that they were going to buy from the British and used to sort of reverse engineer the process of making warships so that they could build their own, such as like the Nagato class, and obviously you go to the pinnacle of their battleship development being the Yamato class, and this is kind of where that battleship development started. And the uh, as far as relating to the history of the Congo, the first interesting thing with the Congo actually begins as she was being constructed. Um, or, well, just after she was had been constructed. In January 1914, a telegram was leaked from the Siemens Tokyo office to Reuters, along with uh, uh, the New York Times and some Japanese newspapers, and it led to a Japanese authorities on an investigation uh, discovering a series of bribery and kickbacks by German arm and English armament corporations uh, during the uh, Anglo-Japanese uh, alliance and things like that. Uh, Siemens had been paying Japanese officials a secret 15% kickback until Vickers had had outbid them by offering 25% kickback to essentially uh, make it so that it was more likely that they would receive contracts from the uh, Japanese military. Uh, yeah, so it was obviously a pretty big scandal, and uh, a Vice Admiral Kazu was actually court-martialed, fined 400,000 yen, and sentenced to three years in prison, which I believe is a fairly stiff punishment, but probably deemed necessary by the Japanese government at the time for the depth of the scandal, as uh, several battleships had been built uh, on scandalous basis. Obviously, I don't think anyone's really going to be uh, saying that the Congo was a bad ship necessarily, so maybe it didn't end uh, fully, really terribly for the Japanese, but it was... Um, 
kind of interesting that they that the development of a warship that large went about partially due to a scandal. Um, uh, senior executives of uh, uh, a corporation associated with the uh, associated with Vickers, um, their Japanese partners, in fact, uh, many of them resigned, and the government of Prime Minister Yamamoto. Uh, also resigned as a part of this. Uh, Prime Minister Yamamoto not being related to uh, Admiral Aishiroku Yamamoto, or Yamamoto Aishiroku, however you want to, it's supposed to be said. Um, they, they're not related, just the same surname. Alright, so uh, she was originally a battlecruiser, but sort of reconstructed into a battleship from 1929 to 1935, uh, which is why she... Um, looks so different. And, and she was eventually reconstructed from 1935 to 1941 into a fast battleship, which was essentially a combination of the two. Now, uh, as a battlecruiser, um, she participated in World War One, and I mean, the Japanese participation in World War One was kind of relative. They basically just more or less used it as an excuse to expand their sphere of influence to the German territories. They allied themselves with their friends, the British, who were actually pretty good friends at the time. And uh, so they invaded and took German possessions in the Caroline Islands, the Poalu Islands, Marshall Islands, Mariana Islands, and other various islands. And they also um, ordered Kaiser William II of the German Empire to um, withdraw his German troops from the, his base in Tsingtao, China, or Tsingtao, China. Um, that did uh, that, that did not happen, and it resulted in the siege of Tsingtao uh, um, in China, and that was the only major land engagement of uh, Japanese troops in World War One, at least in the Pacific. Um, and with the uh, defeat of the German East Asia Squadron by the Royal Navy at the Battle of the Falkland Islands as they attempted to escape back to Germany to refuel, um, there was little need for... Um, uh, there, there was little need for a Japanese uh, Pacific Squadron. Um, yeah, so she just spent the rest of World War One either based at Seizbo or on patrol off the coast of China. And in December 1918, following the end of hostilities of World War One, Congo was placed in second reserve. And in April 1919, she was fitted with a new seawater flooding system for her ammunition magazines. Uh, she did also participate in some training, uh, such as the sinking of the Imperator Nikolai I, uh, which was a... Um, warship that was captured during the 1905 Russo-Japanese War, uh, which was a disaster for the Russians, to say the least. Um, it was an utter defeat and an embarrassment. Interestingly enough, the conclusion of World War I and the signing of the Washington Naval Treaty on the 6th of February 1922 resulted in the reduction of, the, or at least a limitation of the size of the Imperial Japanese Navy. Uh, with a ratio of uh, 5 to 5 to 3 required between the capital ships of the United Kingdom, the United States, and the Japanese Empire. Uh, the justification for this being that Japan only had concern for one ocean versus the other two countries had a concern for two oceans and various imperial uh, outposts and things like that. Um, and there was even fewer warships allowed for France and Italy. Uh, the treaty also banned... Um, uh, signatories from building any new capital ships until 1931, and no capital ship was permitted to exceed the 35,000 long-ton uh, displacement gap. Uh, however, provided that new additions uh, 
did not see, exceed 3,000 tons of displacement. Uh, the existing capital ships were allowed to be upgraded with improved anti-torpedo bulges and armored main decks. So if you're ever wondering why there's such a huge gap in uh, capital ship construction from the construction of the um, Colorado-class battleships and the uh, North Carolina-class uh, fast battleships in uh, the U.S. Navy, that would be the reason why. Um, by the time the Washington Naval Treaty had been fully implemented in Japan, only three classes of World War One-type uh, capital ships remained active. The Issei-class battleships, the Congo-class battlecruisers, and the Fuso-class battleships. Yeah, so um, uh, Congo was actually the transport in April 1923 to Crown Prince Hirohito, uh, who was the future emperor of Japan, uh, during his official visit, uh, visit to the Japanese position of uh, possession of Taiwan. Uh, she did collide in 1924 with submarine number 62 during maneuvers. She did also see a lot of new uh, upgrades from about 1924 to 1931, uh, and included a major reconstruction uh, into a battleship. Uh, and this was a result of the uh, prohibition of the construction of new uh, capital ships by Japan uh, until 1931. Uh, so basically, Japan's like, all right, if we can't build new capital ships, we'll make new capital ships out of our old capital ships. And just essentially um, began this mass amount of upgrading uh, cycles uh, on pretty much all their warships. And I mean, you could see this based on the difference uh, of the appearance of Congo in 1929 and the appearance, difference in appearance in 1931. It completely remodeled mass structures and everything like that, new fire control, pagoda mast. All sorts of things were modified. Uh, new armor schemes and boilers and things like that. She received just shy of 4,000 tons of new armor, uh, completely new boilers, completely uh, new f uh, funnel arrangement. The forward funnel is actually removed, and the second funnel was enlarged and lengthened. Um, yeah, so it was, like I said, very, very extensive modifications. Uh, in the uh, Japanese signing of the London Naval Treaty, uh, it placed further restrictions on the naval forces, which further emphasized the modification of current battleships and other capital ships in the Japanese Navy. And shortly after outfitting, uh, the Congo was designated as the flagship of the combined Japanese fleet after the Japanese invasion of Manchuria. Uh, additional rain fighters and searchlights were fitted to the superstructure in January 1932, and there was a new command change in the vessel. And there were also aircraft catapults added in 1933. And in February of 1933, following a report by the Leighton Commission, the League of Nations agreed that China or Japanese invasion of China um, had directly violated Chinese sovereignty. And refusing to accept this judgment, uh, Japan withdrew from the League of Nations and said, "All right." Have it your way. And she also immediately withdrew from the Washington Naval Treaty and the London Naval Treaty, thus removing all restrictions on the numbers and sizes of her capital warships. And Congo was placed in second reserve to allow for further modifications as the modifications of new warships in the Japanese Navy was, or of any warship in the Japanese Navy, rather, was no longer restricted. Uh, in fact, this was such an interesting move that, not, that Nazi Germany actually sent a naval attache to the uh, Japanese uh, naval bases, or to various Japanese naval bases, uh, and was, uh, the Congo was actually toured by this attache 
as part of a gunnery demonstration. And in 1935, Congo was dry docked at Yokosuka Naval Arsenal in preparation for upgrades that would enable her to escort Japan's growing fleet of aircraft carriers, which one notable feature they had was that they were very fast. And since Congo's previous reclassification as a battleship because of her increased armor uh, meant that her speed was limited to 29 knots, not by any treaty, just by the fact that she had added 4,000 tons of armor. Uh, so, obviously she was slower. And the stern of uh, the Congo was lengthened by 26 feet to account for this desired uh, increase in speed. And essentially it was just uh, to improve her fineness ratio, which is essentially just the ratio between the ship's length and width. In uh, this a lot... It, it, if you remember basic hydrodynamics from maybe a physics class or something that you took, essentially the longer and narrower something is, the faster it will go, but it will have a harder time turning. So most battleships tend to have a pretty small, or a relatively small length-to-width ratio to allow for them to turn more easily because they're shorter, uh, they're a little fatter, and... They turn easily, but they can't go very fast, which isn't a problem for a heavily armed and armored battleship, but can be a problem for a battle cruiser. So battle cruisers and other and uh, heavy cruisers and things, things that desire to go fast, tend to have pretty high length width ratios or fineness ratios uh, in order to attain high top speeds because maneuverability, uh, as far as turning circle radius, isn't really or isn't always too much of a concern for them this obviously depends on design philosophies and things like that but japan basically wanted them to go as fast as they could so that meant lengthening the stern by 26 feet to adjust that ratio uh 16 of our old boilers were removed and replaced with 11 new oil-fired campon boilers and newer geared turbines in addition her bridge was completely reconstructed uh reconstructed according to japan's pagoda mass style of forward superstructure and the catapults were added to support three nakajima e8n or, or kawanishi e7k reconnaissance and spotter float planes um and kamalu's armor was also extensively upgraded her main belt was strengthened to a uniform thickness of eight inches and this was uh, from up from a varying uh, thickness of six to eight inches, which meant that she was more adequately protected. And diagonal bulkheads of depth ranging from five to eight inches were also added to reinforce the main armor belt. Her turret armor was strengthened ten inches, or it strengthened to ten inches, while four inches were added to positions of or to portions of deck armor. So that's a hundred more, a hundred and two millimeters extra armor on the deck and two hundred and fifty four millimeters total armor on the turrets. Congo's ammunition magazine protection was also strengthened to 100 millimeters and the reconstruction was finally finished on the 8th of january 1937 and capable of speeds greater than 30 knots despite the significant increase in her hull displacement congo was now reclassified as a fast battleship because she uh did not have the poor armor of a battle cruiser nor did she have the uh, slow speed of a battleship she had both she is a fast battleship similar actually in design philosophy to the iowa class battleships uh, she was reassigned to the Saisbo Naval District, and uh, she was uh, uh, she participated in the bombing of Fuchao during the Second Sino-Japanese War by launching float planes that were actually armed, which is kind of interesting because I don't know if there's any recorded uh, incidents of a American ship launch float plane, like a I guess a surface ship, like a traditional surface ship launch float plane, actually bombing anything. I know that sometimes they carried fighters and stuff. But I don't know of any uh, Americans attaching bombs to their O2U Kingfishers. Anyways, 
Uh, Congo steamed off the Chinese coast in support of Japanese army operations during the Second Sino-Japanese War from 1938 to 1939. In November 1939, Captain Raizou Takana assumed command of the Congo, and from April or from November 1940 to April 1941, additional armor was added to Congo's barbettes and ammunition tubes, while ventilation and firefighting equipment was also improved. In August 1941, she was assigned to the 3rd Battleship Division, and uh, this was alongside her new fully modified sister warships, Hai, Krishima, and Haruna. So yeah, the 3rd uh, Battleship Division was kind of stacked, we'll say, I guess is, is an interesting way to put it. And now, we're going to deal with the actual World War II service that was seen by the Congo once the Americans entered the war. On the 29th of November 1941, uh, Congo and Haruna departed the Harashima uh, fleet anchorage to begin the war in the Pacific as the part of the Southern Malay Force main body. And this was under the overall command of Vice Admiral Nobutake Kondo. And on December 4th, 1941, the main body arrived off the coast of southern Thailand and northern Malaya in preparation for the invasion of Thailand and Malaya. I don't know what the British thought when they saw a huge Japanese fleet uh, sitting just outside, well, not, maybe not just outside, but uh, not far off their coastline, but I can't imagine they thought anything good was going to happen. So as soon as the attack on Pearl Harbor occurred, the invasion was immediately launched. Japan's land-based aircraft from South Vietnam, or Southern Vietnam, rather, uh, managed to sink both the Prince of Wales, the Battlecruiser Repulse, and other uh, forces in Britain's Force Z, or other warships in Britain's Force Z, uh, it, forcing the withdrawal of Congo's battle group because they were no longer necessary as there were no large British warship, or surface warships in the area anymore. They had been defeated. Uh, the, battle uh, the battle group sub subsequently sortied from Indochina for three days in mid-December to protect a reinforcement convoy traveling to Malaya. And uh, this was again, or, and again on the 18th of December to cover the Japanese armies landing at Lanigan uh, Gulf, Luzon, and in the Philippines. Uh, this was part of the disastrous fall of the Allies in the early war in the Pacific and uh, would contribute to the fall of Abdicom simply just because they were outnumbered by the Japanese forces. Um, and so the main body started, uh, departed Kamra Bay in French Indo Indochina on the 23rd of December, bound for Taiwan, arriving two days later. In January 1942, Congo and the heavy cruisers Taikau and Atago provided distant cover for the air attacks on Ambien Island. And that island is uh, just the northern part of Indonesia, and it would uh, signify the start of the beginning of the end for the Dutch East Indies. On the 21st of February 1942, Congo was joined by Haruna, four fast aircraft carriers, five heavy cruisers, and numerous support ships in preparation for Operation J, which was Japan's invasion of the Dutch East Indies, which, as you will remember, were defended by a small force called Abdicom, essentially the uh, American Asiatic Squadron, the what remained of the British, uh, well, British Asiatic Squadron, and uh, part of the Dutch Navy, which, remember, the Dutch uh, actual homeland had fallen to the British earlier in 1940, 
So this was sort of uh, the the Dutch last stand. Uh, in what the defense consisted of literally two cruisers and a few destroyers. Most of them would be destroyed throughout uh, the war in or the brief battle for the Dutch East Indies. Uh, by the 25th of February, the third uh, battleship division provided cover for air attacks on the island of Java. Congo bombarded Christmas Island off the west coast of Australia. Christmas Island not being that far away from Australia, which is arguably not super great. I mean, I mean, I suppose it is a different, definitely uh, pretty distant, but still something that uh, should not happen. Um, it, it isn't that far away from Java, but uh, yeah. So she, um, this was on the seventh of March, nineteen forty-two, and she returned to strong by or string 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 i don't know uh part of sulawesi in indonesia and this was just for 15 days of standby alert in april of 1942 congo joined five fleet carriers in attacks on colombo and tricomalee in Ceylon, uh which was the final island in uh the well the dutch east indies archipelago now indonesia it, it was kind of the last straw for the dutch control of the islands and uh, by this point, Celebes, uh, Java, Borneo, they had all fallen to the Japanese, and this was just the last one. Following the destruction of the British heavy cruisers, HMS Dorsetshire and HMS Cornwall in 1942, this naval task force moved southwest to relocate the remainder of the British Eastern Fleet, which was heavily damaged at this point. On the 9th of April, one of Haruna's reconnaissance seaplanes spotted the aircraft carrier HMS Hermes south of Tricomalee. On the same day, uh, on the same day, on the same day, Japanese air attacks sank the carrier, and Congo was attacked but missed by nine British medium bombers, having crippled the offensive capability of Britain's eastern fleet. The third battleship division returned to Japan, as there were no more ships to fight. Well, basically, no more ships to fight. Uh, small patrol vessels and things were pretty much all that was left, and they weren't going to pose much of a threat to Japanese positioning. Uh, Congo reached Seispo on the 22nd of April, and from the 23rd of April to the 2nd of May, Congo was dry docked for reconfiguration of her anti-aircraft armament. On 27th of May 1942, Congo sortied with high and heavy cruisers Adigo, Chokai, Miyoko, and Harugo as part of Admiral Nubakate Kondo's invasion force during the Battle of Midway. Following the disastrous loss of four of the combined fleet's fast carriers on the 4th of June 1942, Kondo's force withdrew back to Japan, reeling in pain from what had just been inflicted on them. They had suffered crushing success in the Pacific up until this point, and it was time that the Allies returned the favor. It was beginning of the end for the Japanese, just less than a year into their conquest of the Pacific. On the 14th of July, she was assigned to the flagship of the restructured 3rd Battleship Division. In August, Congo was dry docked at Kira to receive surface detection radar and additional range finders, as it was found that the Japanese advantage in night fighting was starting to slip with the Allied incorporation of radar into their ships. Allies would maintain this advantage in radar for the duration of the war, and as one of their contributing factors in... Um, in the Allied victory, at least on the surface, although it would be a long time before the Allied captains actually trusted their radar readings, as this was a new technology and people were naturally skeptical of it. In September, Congo embarked with Hai Haruna, Kirishima, three carriers, numerous smaller warships, in response to the U.S. Marine Corps' amphibious landings on Guadalcanal and the Solomon Islands. On the 20th of September, this force was ordered to return to a truck naval base in the center, uh, center of the Pacific Ocean, north of the equator as the uh, Guadalcanal 
was essentially lost. In the, bat- uh, in the aftermath of the Battle of Cape Esperance, the Japanese armor opted to reinforce its troops on Guadalcanal rather than simply letting the island go. To protect their transportation convoy from enemy air attack, Admiral Isoroku Yamamoto sent Haruna and Congo, escorted by one light cruiser and nine destroyers, to bombard an American airbase on Henderson Field. Because of their high speeds, these two battleships could bombard the airfield and then withdraw before being subjected to air attack from either land-based warplanes or American aircraft carrier warplanes. Uh, this is where speed in the Japanese Navy comes an advantage, and it's kind of realistic in World of Warships when Japanese ships tend to play by just striking and then leaving uh, and going undetected rather than uh, engaging in a sustained gunfight. This was kind of the Japanese strategy throughout the war, as they couldn't just win a war of attrition. The Japanese opted for many short but intense battles in hopes of conserving their warships and supplies. On the night of the 13th through 14th of October 1942, the two battleships shelled the area of Henderson Field from a distance of about 16,000 yards, or about 15 kilometers, firing 973 14-inch high-explosive shells. In the most successful Japanese battleship action of the war, the bombardment heavily damaged both runways, destroying almost all of the U.S. Marines' aviation fuel and fire, and destroyed or damaged 48 of the Marines' 90 warplanes and killed 41 of them. Uh, or 41 Marines, that is. A large Japanese troop and supply convoy reached Guadalcanal on the next day, uh, unmolested by American air cover. During the Battle of the Santa Cruz Islands on the 26th of October 1942, Congo was attacked by four Grumman TBF Avenger torpedo bombers, but received no hits, fortunate enough for her. In mid-November, this battleship and other warships provided distant cover for the unsuccessful mission by the Imperial Japanese Navy to bombard Henderson Field once again. Uh, They did push their luck too much, it turns out, and were not successful. And they were unsuccessful in delivering more army reinforcements to Guadalcanal, partially contributing to the island's eventual defeat. On the 15th of November 1942, following that defeat and the sinking of Hei and Krishima during the naval battle of Guadalcanal, the 3rd Battleship Division returned to truck, where it remained for the rest of 1942 which wasn't long. It was only about a month or so. Throughout 1942, Congo engaged zero enemy targets. Or throughout 1943, rather. Congo did not engage any targets, and she participated in Operation Cray, which is a part of a diversionary and distant covering force to support Imperial Japanese Navy destroyers that were evacuating army troops from Guadalcanal, as it had become realized that... uh, fight for the island was hopeless for the Japanese, as American air cover proved superior and they were only growing stronger. From the 15th of February to the 20th of February 1943, the 3rd Battleship Division transferred from truck to Kerr Naval Base. On the 27th of February, Congo was dry decked to receive upgrades to her anti-aircraft armament, which was deemed insufficient at the time, and this revolved, involved the additions of two triple 25mm gun mounts and the removal of two of her 6-inch turrets, with additional concrete protection added near her steering gear in hopes of uh, providing resistance to bombs and possibly torpedoes. On the 15th of, or 15th, the 17th of May 1943, in response to U.S. Army's invasion of Attu Island, the Congo sortied alongside the uh, battleship Musashi, whose existence was only known in myths at this time to the uh, most uh, American troops, and she was kept highly secret by the Japanese. Uh, The 3rd Battleship Division, two uh, fleet carriers, two cruisers, and nine destroyers joined the two uh, Musashi and Congo. Three days later, the American submarine U.S. Sawfish spotted the Naval Task Force, but, but was unable to attack it, nevertheless reported their position. 
On the 22nd of uh, May 1943, the task force arrived in Yokosuka and was joined by additional three fleet carriers and two light cruisers, forming a formidable task force. This force was disbanded when Atu fell to the U.S. Army before necessary preparations for a counterattack could be finished. They were essentially too slow in acting. And uh, this kind of was interesting because the Japanese were typically very quick in their uh, reactions to the U.S. movements because they had to be. They couldn't take that many losses. And this kind of showed the wavering efficiency of the Japanese war machine. On the 17th of October 1943, Congo again left truck as part of a larger task force consisting of five battleships, three carriers, eight heavy cruisers, three light cruisers, and numerous more destroyers. These sorted in response to U.S. Navy air raids on Wake Island. No contact between the two forces was made, uh, and the Japanese force returned to truck on the 26th of October 1943, unsuccessful and feeling beaten. Well, probably. I added that in for dramatic effect. Uh, she soon left truck for home waters, and on the 16th of December 1943, Congo arrived at Seisbo uh, for refits and training in the Inland Sea. And in January 1944, Congo was dry docked for reconfiguration of her anti-aircraft suite as it was still deemed ineffective. Japanese anti-aircraft firepower would never catch up to the Americans, and the Japanese knew this. So they tried their best, but they were just really unsuccessful. Four 6-inch guns and a pair of 25mm mounts were removed and replaced with six 5-inch guns and four triple 25mm mounts. Uh, the 3rd Battleship Division part departed from Cure on the 8th of March, 1944, and arri arrived at uh, Linga on the 14th of March, 1944. I don't know how to pronounce that. God, these South Asian names are very interesting, but very hard to pronounce. The division remained, until, uh, remained there for training purposes until the 11th of May, 1944. And on that day, Congo and Admiral Ozawa's uh, mobile fleet departed from, uh, from it, uh, bound for Tawai... Tawatawa? Yeah, Tawatawa, I think is how I pronounce it. <laughs> Where they were joined by Admiral Takeo Kurita's Force C. On the 13th of June, Ozawa's mobile fleet departed uh, for the Marine Mariana Islands. And during the Battle of the Philippine Sea, Congo escorted Japanese fast carriers and remained undamaged in the counterattacks from U.S. Uh, carry aircraft on the 20th of June. She returned to Japan and uh, and she eventually returned to Japan, where 13 triple and 40 single 25mm mounts were added to her anti-aircraft armament for a total of over 100 mounts. Still, uh, the actual shells fired by these guns were not as effective as I don't believe they were proximity fused, uh, unlike the Americans were. Uh, Japanese slack was simply not accurate. On August, two more 6-inch guns were removed and another 18 single mounts were added in an attempt to bolster the anti-aircraft defenses of IGN Congo. In October of 1944, uh, Congo departed from Liniga Ling for Operation Show 1, the Jap Japanese, Japanese counterattack to the Battle of Leyte Gulf, the largest naval engagement in history. On the 24th of October, Congo was undamaged by several near misses from the American from from American carrier aircraft in the Battle of Subian Sea. And on the 25th of October, during the Battle of Samar, Congo, as part of Admiral Kurita's center force, engaged the U.S. 7th Fleet's Taffy 3. And if you know anything about Taffy 3, they were the Japanese or the American force that fought off a Japanese squadron. The American force merely consisted of Fletcher-class destroyers and Samuel B. Roberts, or not, yeah, uh, destroyer escort um, ships and uh, some uh, just escort carriers. It was nothing that the Japanese should have turned away from, but the fighting of these Fletcher-class destroyers was so ferocious that they 
turn back because they thought that they were dealing with heavy cruisers and battleships through the smoke. So Fletcher-class destroyers, uh, John C. Butler-class destroyer escorts versus a bunch of Japanese battleships, including, I believe, the Yamato even, was in this squadron. But they simply turned around because they were afraid of their... Um, potential counterattack capabilities with battleships. In fact, the fighting of these destroyers was so ferocious by the time the Japanese actually realized what they were fighting against, they gained a great amount of respect for the sailors aboard these ships. As the USS Johnson actually sank, it is said that a Japanese commander stood on the uh, observation deck of his warship by the bridge, uh, saluting the ship as she went down. Uh, it's sort of, you know, samurai type tradition that the uh, Japanese Navy used as a sort of fight to death and it was a very deemed as a very honorable thing for both sides um, at least by the Japanese. Congo however did succeed in scoring numerous hits on the carrier, escort carrier Gambier Bay as well as the destroyers Hull and Heerman. Uh, at 0912 she sank the destroyer escort Samuel B. Roberts. After a fierce and defensive action by the American ships which sank three Japanese heavy cruisers Yes, three Japanese heavy cruisers. Admiral Kurita elected to withdraw, ending the battle. Uh, yes, that is, it was a rather embarrassing defeat for the Japanese. While retreating, Congo suffered damage from five near misses from attacking Ingraft. The fleet arrived at Bernay on the 28th of October, 1944. On the 16th of November, following a U.S. air raid on Bernay, Congo, along with Yamato, Nagato, and the rest of the first fleet, departed from Bernay, bound for Kure, in preparation for a major reorganization of the fleet and battle repairs. On the 20th of November, they entered the Formosa Strait, the Formosa Strait being between Taiwan and mainland China. Shortly after midnight on the 24th, 24th, 21st of November, the submarine USS Sea Line made radar contact with the fleet at about 44,000 yards, or 40 kilometers away. Maneuvering into position at 0245 hours, Sea Line fired a, a six bow torpedoes at Congo, followed by three stern torpedoes at Nagato 15 minutes later. One minute after the first salvo was launched, two of the torpedoes torpedoes were seen to hit Congo on the port side. One minute later, they were pretty close. Remember, these um, torpedoes in real life only made about 40 to 50 knots. I mean, the sea, the, the, sea, the, the speed could be varied uh, depending on how much pressure or how quickly the valves were adjusted to, to make the propeller spin, but uh, usually around 40 to 50 knots. So they were pretty close if it uh, hit within a minute. Uh, so two of the torpedoes are seen to hit Congo on the port side, while a third sank the destroyer Urakazi with all hands. Uh, and this was one of the 19 Kagero-class destroyers built for the Imperial Japanese Navy in the 1930s, uh, with the name meaning Wind on the Sea. Yes, so all hands went down with Urakazi. Uh, the torpedoes flooded two of Congo's boiler rooms, but she was still able to make 16 knots. By 0500, just before sunrise, she had slowed to 11 knots and was given permission to break off in the fleet and head to the port of Keelung and Formosa, along with the destroyers Hamakaze and Isokaze as escorts. Within 15 minutes of detaching from the main force, Congo was listing at 45 degrees and uncontrollably flooding. At 518, the ship lost all power and the order was given to abandon ship. At 524, while the evacuation was underway, the Ford 11 or Ford 11 Ford 14-inch gun magazine exploded, and the broken ship sank quickly. With the loss of over 1,200 of her crew, including the commander of the Third Battleship Division and her captain, the Congo is believed to have sunk in 350 water, approximately 55 nautical miles northwest of Keelung. 
and she was only one of three British-built warships or battle, British battleships sunk by the submarine attack in World War II. The other battleships were British Revenge-class battleship HMS Royal Oak and the Queen Elizabeth-class battleship HMS Barham. Yeah, so a British-built warship was sunk by an American submarine while serving in Japanese service. Yeah, yeah. long uh, list of nations involved there. Um, however, this shows how, well, it, it doesn't directly show, but it, it provides a glimpse into how Japanese uh, damage control efforts were not as uh, complex and well-trained as the American damage control teams. Uh, you, we've seen instances of bows being ripped off American cruisers, such as the New Orleans-class uh, cruiser H, or HMS, USS New Orleans, uh, and the ship still being able to be saved by quick damage control efforts and intuitive planning or intuitive uh, thinking, such as the uh, idea of going backwards in the ship to reduce the amount of uh, water that is being pushed into the ship's hull uh, to ease the strain on the damage control parties and their uh, fixes. So uh, this was you know, just kind of insist like they were hit by two torpedoes and that uh, managed to uh, sink their ship. Now, it wasn't abnormal for two torpedoes to take out a battleship. I believe Barham was actually hit by one torpedo, I think. Uh, Barham or Royal Oak, one of them was hit by one torpedo and managed to sink. So it's not like this was super abnormal, but um, it was definitely um, something that maybe could have been rectified, especially if it was by an American warship or American... Uh, damage control team. Uh, then again, the damage may have been so extensive that the ship was, was should have been written off immediately. Uh, obviously, none of us were there to see it. But yeah, just something interesting to note is that uh, American damage control teams were given much more freedom in what they could do, uh, such as on American aircraft carriers. If the carrier was on fire, damage control teams usually dumped all the fuel overboard uh, to avoid any explosions or unnecessary fires on the warship, versus Japanese uh, damage control teams uh, weren't allowed as much freedom in that and that's partially because japanese supplies by uh mid-war were starting to dwindle and uh some they, they were needing to conserve a little bit more in order uh to maintain their fight in the war but that is it for the congo in naval history let's get to the world of warships section of this episode so the World of Warships section of this episode is going to be slightly less complex than the Naval History section, mostly because the Congo has really not been modified that much since, uh, well, her release. I mean, there's been, I'm sure there's been some balancing. haven't exactly been keeping track, mostly because it began playing World of Warships in 2017, on and off until like 2019 or so. So anyways, let's get going. The, we're assuming that you've uh, upgraded all the equipment... Uh, to uh, the Congo B-Hull and uh, new fire, Mod 2 fire control and propulsion to 136,000 horsepower, but there's no upgrades or commander skills or anything applied at this point. Uh, so she has a main armament of 4x2, 356mm, 45 caliber, uh, 41st year type guns in a twin turret. They have a range of 21.20 kilometers, which for tier 5 is pretty respectable. They have the standard reload time of 30 seconds, a rate of fire of 2 rounds per minute, obviously. Um, she has 180 degree turn time of 54.55 seconds, which leaves a lot to be desired. This is a characteristic that definitely hampers the battleship Japanese battleship line. Uh, she has a, a tra that's a traverse speed of 3.3 degrees a second, which is not much. The accuracy is also not super great. I mean, 
for tier 5, it's pretty decent, but it tends to be a bit unreliable. The Sigma is only 1.8, which isn't bad, but the maximum dispersion is 237 meters, uh, with the horizontal with a maximum dispersion vertical of being 190. So, not really, uh, I guess by tier 5 standards, it's pretty decent. It still is a bit unreliable, especially with uh, only 8 guns. Uh, that's definitely something that uh, the New York has an advantage on you uh, with its 10 guns. And uh, yeah, so it, it's a, it, like Russian Gangats, or I suppose Gangats Tier 4, uh, October Revolution and things like that. They just throw more shells at the target and have about the same accuracy. So you just, it, sometimes uh, salvos can be a little bit disappointing. Uh, yeah, so the HE is actually pretty decent, as most Japanese HE is. Uh, 356 millimeter HE Type 0 shells with a broad DPM of 91,200. Yes, it doesn't look on paper super impressive because it's a tier 5 battleship and it only throws 8 shells at a target at any one time. The maximum damage is 5,700. Initial shell velocity is 805 meters a second, uh, which is decent. It's not uh, particularly fast, but also not particularly slow. Uh, shell weight is eight, not 825. 625 kilograms. Uh, the depth explosion is 4 meters. HE penetration is 59 millimeters. Yes, that is Goliath levels of penetration. It, it's not anything to write home about. The burn probability is 25%, which isn't great, but it is tier 5. Uh, and means you'll get about one fire a minute. So you have a 90% chance of causing a fire per salvo. Uh, the raw DPM on the H uh, the AP shells, the 356 millimeter AP Type 91 shells, is 163,200. The maximum shell damage is 10,200. Initial shell velocity is a bit slow at 775 meters a second. We're starting to get into more American territory here, um, or close to American territory. I think there's 720 meters a second, maybe. I think off the top of my head at this tier with the New York and the Texas. Uh, shell weight is 674 kilograms, slightly heavier than HE shells. Uh, ricochet angles are standard 45 to 60, depth explosion 2 meters, overmatch is 24 millimeters, and the uh, arming threshold is 59 millimeters with a standard fuse timer of 0.033 seconds. Something that the Japanese ships uh, usually do well, but aren't super great in the Congo, or, I mean, aren't bad, I should say, they're, they're pretty, they're usable, is the firing angles, you are giving a bit of broadside, uh, when you get all your turrets firing, but, but, it's usually, I mean, usually something that will allow most shells to bounce off, uh, occasionally, if you're get, getting all your guns off, especially if you're not right at the limits of the uh, gun firing arcs for the stern or the bow, whichever direction you're facing, uh, it can be something that you might get dings a little bit, especially with the superstructure shot, but it is pretty good. It's very usable, not like a British-type uh, uh, aiming sector where you have to be completely broadside in order to bring your guns to bear. So it's usable. You got your standard bomb airstrike. Uh, I believe the range here is, or bomb airstrike, like a depth charge airstrike. Range here is 6 kilometers, so sometimes it's not super useful. The secondary armament is negligible. Uh, AA defense, also negligible. I mean, it's got 1,000 DPS in the outer range, but 84 DPS in the aura. There's no mid-range AA, so yeah, that's uh, it's not great. <laughs> I mean, yes, they'll, they'll take some damage in your outer AA aura, but once they get past that, I mean, it's fair game for them. Uh, survivability, you got 54,100 hit points, which is pretty good, considering Florida at Tier 7 only has 55,000 hit points. 
Uh, numbers of fire you can have, obviously it's four. Probability reduction is 16.6%. Uh, DPS for fire is 162, so you're going to take 9,738 damage per, per fire. Flooding, you're going to have a maximum of two floods. Your uh, damage reduction on the torpedoes, by the way, is 25%, which is pretty respectable for the tier. Uh, not Obviously not super amazing. If it would, we wanted it to be amazing, we'd have to, like, to be in the 30s, but, you know, that's definitely usable. Uh, still don't want to be eating torpedoes. Uh, damage per second in flood is going to be 270 for a total damage of 10,820. The concealment on the ship is not great. You're looking at 15.71 kilometers uh, base uh, by sea. By air, you're looking at 9.36. And that blooms to 17.71 kilometers when you're on fire. Movability, you got an excellent top speed of 30 knots. That makes it the fastest battleship at tier 5, I believe. Uh, unless the new uh, United Kingdom things have uh, surpassed it here. Let's see what the Tiger can do. The Tiger... Nope. Tiger is slower base. 29 knots with 8% speed boost. So with the speed boost, it is technically faster. But uh, base speed on the uh, Congo is faster. She gets a standard damage control party. 10 second duration. 80 second reload time. A standard repair party for consumables, 0.5% HP per second recovered, 80 second reload time, 28 second action times, and a standard spotter plane. Uh, there's no option to modify any of these consumables, by the way. You're going to mean battery firing range boost to 20%, number of consumables is 4, it has a 240 second reload time, and a consumable action time of 100 seconds. So what are we going to do for upgrades? Well, it's a tier 5 ship, so there is only three upgrade slots. We're going to go with Mean Armaments Mod 1. We're going to go with... Yeah, I usually go with Damage Con uh, Modification 1, but uh, there's something to be said for Engine Room Protection. Um, and then in the third slot here, we're going to take Aiming Systems Modification 1 just to make our aiming more efficient because we will be typically engaging people at medium to longer ranges as the Congo doesn't handle super well when you start getting in close, although it's not necessarily the worst chip. Uh, you could go up main battery mod too just to get those turrets around quicker. Uh, typically, I recommend going with uh, Grease the Gears instead uh, just so you can get that accuracy up. Alright, so for the commander skills, there's a lot of ways you can take this depending on the way you want to play your ship. I typically use uh, emergency repair specialist, uh, priority targets, uh, grease the gears, uh, adrenaline rush, improved repair party readiness, actually, um, uh, a basic su survivability rather, excuse me, uh, concealment expert, an argument can be made for that, um, emergency repair expert is also... Um, very useful. It gives you that extra heal. Highly recommend that. Uh, don't recommend close quarters combat. You could go with fire prevention expert, although that is only a 10% reduction in your um, in your, uh, your uh, fire risk. Um, yeah, I, I mean vigilance is also useful uh, just for those extra torpedo protection if you're going full 21 point commander. Uh, however, I will. Assuming people at tier 5 are probably not going to have a full 21 point commander, uh, I'm going to take Consumant Expert and Vigilance off and just take it down to 15. Uh, maybe you just got Yamamoto or something like that. That's what he comes with. We'll go with this build. Um, yeah, so it, like I said, it, pretty simple build. Uh, like Emergency Repair Specialist or uh, maybe Preventative Maintenance. Uh, that preventative maintenance there's certainly a strong argument for that as well i mean all these first tier skills are, are pretty useful well i shouldn't say all of them um 
between preventative maintenance and emergency repair specials are all useful. I strongly advocate priority target, uh, just so you don't push too far in the Congo, because it is a fast battleship, it does get into trouble quite quickly, and it's nice to know how many people are targeting you. Uh, as far as signal flags, you're going Juliet Charlie, India Yankee, Juliet Yankee Bissell 2, India Delta, Sierra Mike, and November Foxtrot. So right in a row here, you're going with the two, uh, the magazine flag, fire flag, flooding flag, heel flag, speed flag, and consumable flag, and that's uh, that's pretty much it because nothing else is really worth uh, um, putting on flags for. I mean, you can put ramming flag on. Some people swear by it. I don't really see it as worth it because you shouldn't be really getting close to anyone. But you know, some people always like running those. Uh, and that's gonna that's gonna modify our ship obviously a little bit. So now we're gonna have a dispersion of 221 mil, uh, meters uh, horizontal and 177 meters vertical. Uh, our DPM is going to remain the same. Most most of our gun characteristics realistically are going to remain the same. Uh, however, our fire duration is down just to 40.8 seconds rather than your standard 60, and we're only going to take 6,000 damage from a fire. Flooding is down to 27.2 seconds, and that's going to give us 7,000 damage per flood. Our torpedo damage reduction, if we take Vigilance, is going to go up to uh, 32%, which is certainly respectable at our tier. Our Turtiverse time is down to 45.45 seconds, which is long, but is not like glacial speeds. Our maneuverability, we are up to 31.5 knots top speed. Oh, I forgot to go over the turning circle radius. That's 770 meters, which is average, I would say. I mean, it's not pure Tarvillaki kind of bad, but like it's also certainly not U.S. standard levels of good, and it's to be expected just with the long-hauled shape of the uh, of the Congo. The rudder shift time is 14.9 seconds. Yeah, it's it's not great, but it is it is usable. It, it is usable. You will still eat some torps because you can't turn fast enough, but that's pretty much every battleship, so I don't think that's anything specific to the Congo itself. Yeah, so that is um, going to be what changes the physical ship. As far as uh, consumables are concerned, we got a 0.6% uh, HP per second restore, and we have five consumables now with a 76-second reload time and a 30.8-second action time uh, with all the flags we've equipped. Our damage control party has a real time of 76 seconds and an action time of 11 seconds. Our spotter plane uh, now has a reload time of 200, or that actually hasn't been modified, excuse me. Um, yeah, so that is our ship. Now, how do you play the Congo? Well, the Congo is like the typical battleship, really. Um, it is, I mean, well, it, it is the first tier 5 battleship to be introduced into the game, so it's probably going to be fairly standard, and it is. I mean, it's the Japanese battleship line and the American battleship line are arguably the two lines that you should probably grind up when you first get the game because they introduce you to a lot of concepts of the game they're reasonably forgiving uh they do punish you if, uh, especially the japanese battleships if you show broadside but that's something that's good to learn for new players so if you do have a new friend who's learning how to play world of warships one of these lines there's definitely something to recommend uh, the Congo itself, though, excels at medium to long range. Uh, not particularly long range, though. Usually around medium range. Um, that, that is where the Congo lives. Too close, and then you start to uh, get to a range where the armor starts to fatigue a little bit, not work as well. 
against uh, the higher penetration enemy shells, especially tier sevens. You get caught in torps and stuff, and you can't really turn around it. Um, it's and showing broadside to turn around and kite in the ship is suicide. Uh, the broadside armor is not particularly great, and you do have a reasonably high citadel. So, uh, although there is a turtleback on it, it's not much of a... T- I, you're, I thought there was a turtleback on it. Yeah, there there should be a turtleback on it, but it's not much of a turtleback, and it doesn't make much of a difference. It may catch a shell here or there, but you'll still take massive pen damage, and chances are you'll take citadel damage anyways, as Molotov is capable of citadeling this thing, I believe. Yes, yeah, Molotov is capable of citadeling it. Um... One of my biggest complaints about the ship uh, is the anemic guns. And I don't mean alpha damage. I don't mean accuracy. I mean penetration. It just seems, and maybe it's me, maybe it's me completely being crap, it just seems like these guns just don't hit as hard as their American counterparts. And like I said, this could totally just be me, and maybe in my experiences with playing the ship, but it just, it really doesn't seem like these guns are as effective as the New York, and I don't really know why. Uh, the New York has, uh, it, it has more penetration than the Congo, but not that much more. I mean, you're looking at 390 versus 399 uh, millimeters of armor penetration at, like, just shy of 14 kilometers. Like, and I mean, at 12 kilometers, you're looking at 417 millimeters of penetration um, for the Congo, and uh, we're looking at 423. That's five millimeters difference. And I mean, they have the same penetration graph, so the New York's always going to be more. But it's just, I don't, it must pass a certain threshold uh, in battleship armor, cruiser armor, in uh, World of Warships uh, at tier five. It, it must the New York must just pass a threshold that the Congo does not, because I just I played the New York for a very long time, uh, way back when, and I was always consistently doing well with the New York's guns. I, if a cruiser was broadside or a battleship was broadside, I would punish them with that. And yes, the New York does have two more guns, so that could be part of it. But I just don't feel like these guns hit as hard as maybe they should be. And I know there's going to be people out there who. Uh, vehemently disagree with me, but um, and they have great success with these guns, and maybe that's just my RNG. I haven't had very good RNG lately, um, for a really long time, actually. So maybe it's me, but I just I don't feel like this, these guns hit as hard. And, and this this extends to the Fuso as well. I'm playing that ship right now. It's they're good ships. They are. They they're reasonably accurate. They're pretty tanky. They're not super tanky though, so don't overextend. But the guns just don't hit that hard. The amount of times where I've hit a ship for like um, that has is giving broadside, it has like 15k health left, and I hit it down to 500 hit points is absolutely infuriating. Or a thousand hit points, two thousand hit points, something like that. Like really close to killing it, but just not quite. It's like. It just doesn't have enough alpha. I feel like this thing could do with 11k alpha on the uh, AP, and that would make it adequate because that would account or that would compensate for the uh, maybe lack of uh, penetration or just damage dealing that these um, Japanese shells have. Maybe 11,500 damage, just to give it a little bit, a little bit more sauce on that on that uh, shell. And just, yeah, that, that's my biggest complaint about these ships. I mean, the speed is amazing. You relocate really quickly. I mean, if things get too hot, you turn around uh, behind an island and you're out of there. Like, this thing does not get caught on the flanks easily. There are cruisers that will struggle 
to catch up to this thing at this tier. Uh, in fact, I believe this thing's actually f close to being faster than the Tiger 59. Uh, obviously, you won't face that unless it's in a failed uh, division because uh, the Tiger 59's tier 8. But, I mean, it is good. The actual ship itself is very good. Uh, and the guns, mostly, are pretty good. It's just that they they lack that punch that the American guns had. And, and that's what I'm really missing with this. Now, the American ships, obviously, are a lot slower. A lot more vulnerable to HE spam, just because they, they are slower. Um, Congo has uh, a higher likelihood of avoiding those shells. Although, when those shells do connect, the Japanese armor is not great. But it is... Most tier 5 battleships have pretty similar armor layouts, so it doesn't really matter too much. However, I just the, the massive superstructure that this ship has does tend to catch a little bit more HE than maybe I would like, but it's a really minor complaint. Overall, this ship is really good, uh, especially if you play it loitering around the caps, but never really in them. You're not pushing a cap with Congo. All you're going to be doing is tanking. That's pretty much all you're going to be doing uh, as far as like going on the offense. And now on defensive, you, this ship is really good at fly, fighting delaying actions. Actually, all Japanese ships. Or I shouldn't say all because someone's going to come up with an example uh, that's that's uh, uh, not good at fighting and delaying action. And be like, actually, a Wami's better at closer range when it's pushing or something like that. Uh, which I would argue that it has 20 kilometer torps, and those would be fun for anybody who's behind the ship. But, anyways. Um, Yes. Anyways, really good at fighting and delaying, actually. I mean, set your speed to, to half speed. That's like 15 knots, so you're not, like, speeding away from enemy ships, but you're also not getting stuck and falling behind them uh, or falling behind your allies who are also retreating. So you're just fighting, delaying action, letting your enemy or letting your friendlies on the other side of the map come sweep around and clean up the enemy team. Uh, and also, if things start to pan out where the enemy team starts retreating as well, you you can really easily turn around, relocate fast, and start pushing again. Uh, I mean, that's what's cool about the Congo is just how flexible the ship is. I mean, it's not really super great at anything other than mid-range and mid-to-long-range, but it's, it's pretty good in all situations, especially if you angle, if you're clever about who you're going up against, you know not to push too hard, you know the limits of the Congo, that it can't pull on, a, take on a whole flank just pushing, like maybe a German battleship could, even even those tend to get HE spammed to death. Um, you, if you know the limits of the Congo, you can do very, very well in this ship. There's a lot of people who have, like, literally like 70k average damage in this ship over dozens of battles it is possible to get very very good at this ship and it's not that hard to do it you just have to know the limits of it you have to know that you can't just march into a bunch of cruisers even though your guns are 14 inch caliber even though they can smash through their bows uh don't count on that that's not always going to happen remember these guns aren't that consistent uh not of course not as bad as maybe a german or french battleship but not really super consistent so you can't count on them doing a whole lot of damage and that's like instantaneously and eradicating threats before you in turn are HE spam to death because remember you got Japanese armor it's reasonably squishy you're not that hard to citadel especially when you're close to broadside basically anything can citadel you think I've even seen exeters doing maybe not citadel damage but certainly massive penetration damage to broadside congos so you do have definitely have to be careful of that but um, angled, your ship is pretty tanky. So the uh, basic gist of how to play this ship is you're going to go out to a flank, or not a flank, but you're going to go out to just behind a cap, not in between caps, just behind a cap, and you're going to kind of sit around there, try and maybe sit uh, so that there's island-blocking line of sight between you and the enemy ships, but not blocking your line of fire. Make sure you can fire over it and kind of see what pops up. 
see what the enemy team has there, see if there's a lot of HE spamming cruisers, if there's a lot of battleships, if there's not much of anything, you know, check that out. And then once you see that, okay, there's just a few cruisers, um, and I can maybe start to push here just a little bit, just to see if I can get them to turn around and go back, and then I can start chasing them, um, and chasing them around, then we can take the caps and start sweeping around, maybe we can catch them in a crossfire with that, or there's a lot of battleships here, or there's a lot of HE spamming cruisers, then just turn around, kind of angle out, and just set her to 15 knots, and then just try and fight the delaying action. That is basically what Congo's for. Keep them at minimum 13 kilometers, minimum 11 kilometers range, I would say. And even that's getting a little close to the Congo. The Congo really doesn't like it when they break that 11-kilometer barrier because then you start to run out of options because people start to be able to pen sterns better. People start to be able to pen or to, um, uh, you know, more capitalize on, on your mispositioning. And sometimes you won't always be able to run away from uh, things that you can't fight. I mean, this is kind of a battle cruiser. You know, outgunning anything you can outrun and out and, uh Yes, outgun anything you cannot run, and outrun anything you cannot gun. So keep that mindset in mind when you're playing Congo. Obviously, you are a battleship. You know, you're not really like a super lightly armored battle cruiser, so you can't just run away at the first sight of danger. But definitely, don't let yourself get overextended in Congo. Don't go way out in the flank with a Congo and just get blasted in your broadside or just get cut off from your team. That's not how to play a ship. Don't go in the middle either. Don't and. Uh, um, you know, you're just supposed to be that ship that's at medium range that's really annoying to deal with. That is literally Congo's playstyle is how it plays best. It's usually pretty successful. Uh, it, it's pretty consistent. Even though the guns aren't consistent, the results from the ship are consistent. Uh, you're probably not going to get a whole lot of massive games in Congo, uh, just because it really doesn't have that much special up its sleeves, but you're for sure not going to get really that many terrible games in Congo either. You're just going to do consistently well in Congo, and that's going to go to Fuso, and Fuso's even more absurd with its huge amount of guns, uh, low speed, and yeah, Fuso's more of a one-trick pony than Congo is, uh, but Fuso is a whole different animal. For Congo, that's how you're supposed to play it. Just uh, if you're outnumbered, fight the delaying action. Don't run away. Fight the delaying action. Obviously, if it does get crazy intense, yes, run away. Don't let yourself die. But you typically, fight the delaying action. And then if uh, you realize you do have the upper command, don't wait to push. Because, you, I mean, you're fast, but and you can push up with your cruisers. And that can sometimes work out really well for you because the cruiser is able to DPM anything around you to death or take care of destroyers while you are kind of soaking up some damage and supporting them with your heavy artillery. So, Congo, yeah, it's a pretty good, very consistent ship. Not really, like, crazy outstanding in any one respect, but that quality alone makes it a pretty good ship to play and definitely earns pretty high marks for me. Uh, the guns can be sometimes frustrating to deal with just with their lack of penetration. Um, and, uh, I mean... Lack of penetration that I've seen in practice, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, on paper, it's not much worse than New York, but uh, in, in practice, I've just seen it be a, a little less consistent in penning battleship broadsides and uh, cruiser broadsides as well. Uh, so d just be aware of that. Make sure you're, you're in situations where you always have the advantage. And the Congo will certainly treat you well. And even if you don't really have the advantage, uh, you won't typically vaporize instantly. Alright, so that's it for this episode of Rank Amateur. If you have any questions, comments, or well, 
hopefully not concerns, but concerns, do feel free to email me at email me at rankamateurpodcast at gmail.com or just drop a answer to the message in my anchor page. Uh, tell me what you thought of the episode. Anyways, until next time, captains. Captains.